You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast. I'm your host, Adi Bulubasis, joined by Lambro Sirmos, Costa Levoyanis. Peter's off doing PhD things as always. And then, of course, we have Greg from Elas Fodi. Greg, how are you doing today? Besides the uh, results, of course. Uh, I'm doing okay. Feeling a little sick after watching Ake's uh, performance, <laughs> record breaking performance, but uh, I'm happy to talk about it and uh, break, some, break a few things down. Of course. Well, we'll get into that shortly. Uh, first, a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, congratulations to Michael Vicini, also of Elas Fodi, for correctly guessing who our next player guest is going to be. Guillaume Gillette, I hope I said that correctly, will be joining Gate 7 International Podcast for an episode. I believe that's going to air Friday, April 16th. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then lastly, thank you to our sponsor, Piraeus International. Price International has been helping Greek ship to and from the motherland during COVID-19. Shipments to Greece are going out of Baltimore every month. Fill any large U-Haul box, 18 by 18 by 24, and send it to our friends in Baltimore. It'll be shipped to the port of Piraeus for only $50. Better yet, fill any large wardrobe box and send it for $100. Give them a call at 410-675-4696. Or, as always, send them an email to sales at piraeusintl.com. Well, boys, uh, unless Lombro has any news for us, we can just kind of get right into a couple of quick loan materials. Uh, Lombro, what news do you have for us today? What news do I have? The, the only news is I said some stupid stuff on social media. I wanted to clarify because Greg butted in and rightfully called me out. So I said something along the lines. I don't know. Like, Thankfully, there won't be stands, fans in the stadium in Belgium to watch um, the Greek national team play. And I... Later on, I said, I'm turning my back on the team. And like a lot of people probably took that rightfully. So I was like, I'm not supporting the Greek national team. Just wanted to clarify because I was just talking to Greg about this. Like it was more so like I don't want to go to the stadium anymore and pay money to support the national team. Like, of course, I'm going to support the national team. It may have come off like pretty bad on the social media. And I guess we were all upset after the results on was it Thursday. So, no, I, I support the, the national team everyone i promise you i'm not that terrible of a person to turn, turn my back completely but you're probably not going to be catching me spend money on an airbnb in brussels to watch the national team if the stadium's open or spending money in zurich to go watch the national team that was my main point unless things change we'll see and that was the main point i was going to get across and i worded it poorly sorry for all the confusion everyone <laughs> Well, Greg, as as he promised, he's going to give you a nice little air hug, little digital air hug here. You're in lockdown. So, there, we go. there we go. If you're watching Perfect. video or if you're listening on audio, Greg is giving Lombro that lovely air hug. Uh, booty tap can't happen. Uh, I don't know how we'll simulate that, but whatever. We'll just let that go. Anyway, uh, quick uh, quick couple notes for Lone Watch. A couple of Libyakos players on loan are doing some interesting things. We mentioned this on Bouze with Boozing with the Boys. Pape Aboussissé is on fire in France. He is the second overall player 
in both defensive and aerial dual success rate. He's also top tier. He's with the top third of defenders in all other metrics. Cissé is on fire, doing extremely well. Curious to see if Saint Etienne decides to purchase him outright. Uh, our favorite three million euro flop, Pepe, is actually the Familicao leader in through balls per ninety minutes. He's a top. He's top fifteen in that creative metric with Portugal. Doesn't really excel in anything else, but something to monitor. Uh, Maxi Lovera. Interesting statistic about him. He is the most successful dribbler since leaving on loan for Racing Club. He's the most successful one-on-one dribbler that they currently have since he left on loan. And he engages in almost 11 one-on-one dribbling situations a game. He leads the Argentinian league in that metric. He is considered a very dynamic player and very, very full of flair on the dribble. So curious to see how that works out. Not the stats that we like to see in terms of playmaking. It's cool to see that he's a really good dribbler, but we'd like to see the other parts of his game develop. Anyway, that's it for the Lone Watch. Now time to jump into the meat of the episode, why we're here, jumping into this Olympiacos 5-1 win against Ike. Let's go at it. Greg, go ahead. Give us your thoughts. How do you feel right now? We're here for you. Whatever you got to well, say, we're here. We're here. Like um, all the Ike fans around the world, it's um, it's a feeling of uh, embarrassment and anger. Uh, there's been a lot of reaction, reactions, I mean, worldwide uh, from the fans uh, and also in Greece. Um, not only was the, the defeat uh, embarrassing and a, a terrible defeat, I mean, there's been reactions after that. There's been a couple of fans that were at the game that uh, stood up to the team before they went into the tunnel and um, uh, had a confrontation there. Uh, and watching the AEG team just, I mean, standing there, having two guys giving it to him. And you know what? I probably, I don't know what they would have said, but um, I mean, that in itself is embarrassing. But um, we've really gone from bad to worse under Manuel Jimenez. Um, we were pretty poor under Carrera. We started off okay, and then we just seemed to get getting worse and worse. And then um, he, he was let go. Um, and then Manuel has come in, and our defense, as bad as it's been, has just hit rock bottom. Um, he started Zbarnas and Hamid in this game, and I, I, I think I tweeted something about my reaction to that. I mean, I was pretty surprised uh, he went with the two worst. He went for the two worst centre backs in the hardest game of the playoffs. Um, and we were four, four nil down at half time. Um, uh, the first goal uh, Kamara scored. Uh, you know, when you're a defender and someone shoots at you, if you're going to go for a header, you go for the bloody header. You don't uh, let it skim off your head, which is what happened and an easy one nil. Second goal is Varnas passed it. He had an opportunity to just clear the ball. Instead, he, he placed it back, passed it back to Olympiacos um, and gifted another goal to uh, who was, I don't remember who scored that one, but he should have been cleared the, the first time. Masuras, um, beautiful finish on the third goal. And then, then um, Lopez gifts uh, El Arabia the fourth goal. I, I just you can't. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. He headed it back right into the go- into the box, uh, and El Arabi just placed it a goal. So Lopez gave the assist for that. So oh man, yeah, just um, terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, a little bit of attack we that we showed. We were a bit unlucky um, with the two goals that were first ruled off on side. Um, I was really hoping Tankovic didn't didn't touch that shot from um, Mandalos, which I thought was going to go in offside. I knew that from the minute he touched it. The Oliveira offside was close, but it was offside. And um, uh, why we're starting Oliveira instead of uh, 
and Salih Fad in the first half as well. I'm not really sure why Jimenez does that. Um, for me, and Salih Fad is, is a much better player than Oliveira, who hasn't impressed me too much in his time at eight. But yeah, it's um, there's been a lot of apologies going out uh, from uh, AIC officials and players uh, to the players um, and talk that Manuel Jimenez um, could be getting the sack after um, our record-breaking home defeat. So um, bad times. Um, I was hoping the international break might do us a bit of good, um, but uh, the defence we have is, is 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 terrible. It's not for this level, and we've got a new stadium coming next year. We need to make some really serious purchases to get some better players in. There are a couple of interesting statistics, team statistics for Ike. We talked about them briefly before we started recording, and we kind of saw that in this game. So starting off with Zvarnas. Uh, Svarnas gets a lot of praise from some people because uh, of, well, he actually is the highest, or sorry, second highest behind Bakakis in terms of defensive dual success rate. When the two of them are actually closing players down, they're actually quite effective closing players down. The problem with the two of them is they are among the worst of uh, compared to defensive players in the air. They also allow the most progressive passes and through balls on a per 90-minute basis. They are actually allowing more progressive passes than wingers and midfielders. You expect those positions to allow them because that's where a lot of play goes through. There's more space up in that area of the pitch. But for your center backs or your defenders to be allowing that much distance on them to be covered, that's, that's quite shocking. Uh, and then aside from that, it's also what they do with the ball at their feet. Svarnas had some very, very shaky decisions today, as as you've pointed out since we've started this from the get-go, even when we were more, a little bit more positive on Svarnas after his uh, Europe, Europa League qualifying matches. And it's, it's, it's just unfortunate. And he continues to get called up. He continues to play in these situations. Um, a couple of a couple of other things that Jimenez has really, I'll say, screwed up on. Um, Ike is one of the top teams in the league in fouls committed. If we separate the time that Jimenez has from when the time Jimenez joined till now, Ike has con- has committed the most fouls of any team in the league in terms of shot defense. Ike blocks the least amount of shots. Period. 27 shots all season. That's how many block shots that they have. The defense doesn't come out to try and close shots down. And all 27 of those shots came in the first half of the season. Since the, since the break, they haven't blocked a single shot, at least that I could see recorded in, in the Y-Scout metrics. As a team, they're bottom tier in aerial duels. Uh, it's like they're in like the, the bottom five. Um, and... Uh, they're, the offensive metrics are there. They actually are pretty good in, in most of those. And uh, the other thing they're actually decent is, is uh, PPDA. Ike has the second highest uh, passes per defensive act, or sorry, second lowest passes per defensive action. In other words, they pressure the ball the most of any other team in the Super League besides Bach, funny enough. And we kind of saw a lot of this today. I mean, when it came to cutting the defense out, so many through balls, so many dangerous chances from Libyakos. Uh, it was it, it was interest it was interesting to see. Um, 
Madalos, I thought, had a pretty decent game, all things considered. He had a couple of dangerous balls played in on the wings, uh, playing playing his his players on. Levi Garcia, who's a player that we all get concerned with when we play against Ike, I thought Hussein Uba handled him quite well today. I thought he did very well not letting him go anywhere uh, and, and making sure that he was following him around most of the pitch. Uh, Costa, what were your thoughts, uh, general thoughts overall in the game? I mean, I, it, obviously it's a, f- a thumping victory, 5-1, but uh, I want to read a quote from the manager, Pedro Martins, at the end of the game. He said, the result doesn't fairly reflect upon the quality of the two teams. Everything went really, really well for us and went really, really badly for Ajax. So that's a loose translation of what was translated by Marina Tzali at the end of the game. And credit to him, I think he didn't want to rub salt into the wounds uh, on the one hand. But I think we were very, very efficient, very effective. I think um, the three at the back was key uh, to stopping Levi Garcia on the right-hand side for Vrijk. Clearly their most dangerous player. We remember him from the last tie at the Olympic Stadium. And I thought, like you said, Barr did really, really well. Uh, handling him with support from um, from Masuras coming back. And every time Levi Garcia got the ball on the right-hand side attacking, it seemed like he was running into a brick wall. So I thought that was a stroke of tactical masterclass from, from Martins in the game. Um, I mean, otherwise, you know, the first goal is quite fortuitous in that we, we got a, a deflection from, from Camera's shot. But if you don't shoot, you don't score. Uh, and I do have to say that every time we went ahead, Ayek immediately tried to respond. There was the goal that was ruled out by VAR after 1-0. Then after 2-0 again, I seem to remember Ayek getting into a good a good situation uh, to score. And then, of course, I mean, Masuras for the second goal, it's a fantastic through ball from Cholibas, uh down the left-hand side and a great finish. Uh, beating the keeper at the near post with his left foot. And then, like Greg said, the third goal is an absolute gift from uh, from Lopez, and it's a tap-in for El Arabi. And then the fourth one was a fantastic pass from El Arabi from the midfield, a, a pass that most number 10s would be jealous of with his left foot. Uh, great run from Masuras, good finish, tidy. And then, you know, we were cruising in the second half and Fortunis, you know, added the fifth uh, straight down the middle with power and and Kareem got the consolation goal at the end. Um, so it was, I think, in the end, a comfortable night. We were efficient. We scored when we had the opportunities. And, uh, I mean, we have six points to, to take to, to finish the league. We could finish it next week if, if Aris loses. But there you go. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll jump in. I, I, you guys analyzed the game pretty well. I don't think I have much more to say. I think we can get into it more. But I kind of want to ask Greg, and this is floating around. I was listening to, um, like Ike fans talk, radio talk, and with Melisanidis leaving the game at halftime, the fans approaching the players, like what I, I'm trying to imagine, like if if Ike had won five one, Kariskaki, like how like what the reaction would be from our fans. Like it, I saw people saying Melisa Nidis is an Ike. He needs to go. 
He left the stadium. He doesn't care. He doesn't sign players. He doesn't pay money, blah, blah, blah. We've heard those lines quite often. But, like, is this the boiling point, losing to a rival 5-1 at home? I wonder what you what you think, Greg. Like that's it's yeah. It's been um, um it's been a boiling kettle over the last uh well half of the last half of the season, and this probably takes the cake. I think um yeah, having the biggest ever home loss, um, at least I knew this leading at halftime. Now that's been uh, hasn't been taken well by a lot of the fans. Um, the other part that all this comes down to as well is having gone from winning a championship in 2018 to then watching the team get dismantled since then having that embarrassing Champions League run, having that embarrassing Europa League campaign. Um, and now we're getting to the point where we're having a really embarrassing Super League season. Um, there's a, a lot of people have mentioned that the teams, we, we when we got relegated, the team that played in the second division, we played you guys in the cup. I mean, that team was better than this team now. We had so much more heart. Um, I think but we're not, we're not as bad as we think we are but our defense is tragic so you can do whatever you want in attack and keep creating opportunities missing some you know tight opportunities scoring some but when you've got a defense that is as bad as it is and Ari mentioned the stats and how bad they are that doesn't surprise me whatsoever because I'm watching some of these defensive plays and I, I just as a fan watching having played a little bit of defense myself I can't believe what I'm seeing from a professional first grade player playing for Ayak and the lack of blocks uh, that happen, the casual nature of these defenders, um, just the basics of football not being done. Um, it, it, it's a massive boiling point. Um, the, the, you know, some of the, you know, it's been questioned whether Melissa Nivis is going to stay on for the long term. And there's a lot of people now that want to see uh, a whole new change and a broom going through the AIC uh, board and, and whatnot at AIC now because. Um, We've gone real backwards since winning the championship, and that's inexcusable. Uh, you had a really good team, and Melissa Nevis really let that go. I know there was money for the stadium that was an issue at the time, um, but how can you how can you let your the team that you love and you know when you love your team, you don't want to see them be embarrassed, and we're getting embarrassed now. Uh, so something's got to give, and the boiling point the the pot has really boiled. Something I think we're going to see a fair few things in the next uh, in the next week because there's already been a, a huge reaction to this game and this loss. Um, so I, I don't think Manolo is going to be there for too much longer. I was, I was, um, I had mixed feelings when he came on, um, and he kind of seems like that's our thing. You know, there's papers about Araujo coming back, and Manolo was, you know, he was in the papers not long ago with uh, when uh, Carrera wasn't going well. I think we need to look forward and start looking for long-term solutions instead of these constant quick fix that we think are quick fixes and just getting the same results all the time. So as a club, we need to, um, we need to transform to become something that's going to be long-term and it's 2021 now you can't keep doing the stuff you're doing in the 80s and 90s and, and getting away with it we, we gotta we gotta be um, way, way more progressive and uh, be smarter as a club i had a quick question like what did you make of manolo's comments at the end of the game he said like the boys can't like this is as much as they can do and to, to me it just sounds like he's throwing the towel in do you think he knows he's gone after this game i think so i read those comments as well uh he was saying after the it was his it's his fault after the 16th minute uh when we copped the goal the guys the every time we lost the ball the players couldn't give more than what they were giving i find them really bizarre comments uh he's made similar comments to that uh i think it was when we lost the bulk i don't remember 100 percent the comments but i just remember thinking those are really strange comments to make. I don't think they fill the team with any confidence. Uh, to me, 
in, in for me, it's, it tells the team you're doing as best as you can, and this is what we can do. Um, and then you're going to get games like this that come at, come the result of that. And then you know, what are the guys going to do when we play our next game or when we go into the cup against Bulk? You know, you go go down, and then it's okay. You know, try what we can, but that's that's the best we can do. For me, these aren't smart comments. Um, and potentially, I think he knows he's on the way out. I thought Martin's uh, comments were very, very nice and uh, complimentary to, to Ayek. Um, we were a bit unlucky, but like you guys said, you make your own luck. Um, and when you do silly mistakes like our defenders make, you're going to pay for it, especially against Olympiacos, and they did. So, um, uh, it's, uh, it's yeah, I, look, I find those comments weird. I think he, he must know he's on the way out and he's trying to save face for the players. But I don't think those comments... As an Ike fan, is something we want to be hearing going into the next game. When it comes to luck, uh, you know, uh, Martins brought up some things. A lot of things went our way. Well, one thing that went our way was Masuras actually finished two uh, two out of his three chances, That's which right. doesn't usually happen. So we had an end product from him. Was super surprised. He did miss one sitter, probably the shot that was the easiest one of the three that for him to make is the one that he skied. But, you know, it is it is what it is. Now, Greg, I wanted to ask you your opinion on something because part of me, when we read some of the stats, and I have another one to add to that, um, part of me wonders if since Jimenez came in, if there's a lack of, of discipline in some respect. Now, I don't mean attitude issues because I don't think there's too many players with attitude problems, not since Leviah left. But I wonder if, like, in terms of focus, because I see these stats, you know, uh, top three in fouls committed, most offsides called against, things, things that, re- you know, folk that a lot of people attribute to focus uh, or um, discipline, like me- discipline and training structurally to be looking for that. Uh, and when I see that team-wide, the team suffers the most from these it makes me wonder if perhaps there's something Jimenez isn't doing at training to be mindful of that because it's been discussed in the past. Uh, I know uh, they've talked about it in BBC with Premier League that coaches, well-disciplined teams tend to not commit that volume in terms of uh, off offsides, fouls, things like that. Teams that are well-disciplined tend to have less of those. So what, what's your opinion on that with regards to Ike? Is, do you think maybe there's some type of discipline issue? Uh, I think it's something that's not brought up enough in training for sure because I see um, especially players like Oliver and Mandalos, uh, they commit silly fouls constantly. Mandalos has been doing it all his career. And since Oliver has come to Greece, I've seen him commit some really unnecessary stupid fouls. Uh, so I think that's something uh, that should be probably being be talked about at training that isn't. Um, I think in terms of uh, defenders making those mistakes, it's just down to these guys being not capable of doing any better. I've seen, I can't say it enough, as someone that's played in defense myself and the things I see from our AG defenders especially, it's, um, it's, 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 it's unbelievable that I see these A, stupid fouls, um, the lack of ability to be able to go up to a player and block a shot. Even the goal that Fortuny scored, Ned Lascaro, a Romanian defender, um, is uh, two or three metres away from him. And he's trying to, he's setting himself up to block that shot. When you're a defender, you're going to try and get as close as you can to Fortunis to block his angle. And of course, we talked about creating your own luck. Fortunis is going to take the shot. This guy is a fair bit away from him. You're going to get some type of deflection and you're going to end up as a, as a goal. And that's exactly what happened. So that's another example where I just think 
how are you not as you know a defender at this level not closing that angle as much as possible um yeah, my, my thing with uh, Jimenez is, and we've seen this over the years with him, especially in derbies when things get a bit tougher. We, we can't win derbies under this coach. Um, and, you know, that's a mentality. You know, you look at those comments I've spoken about before. You really think this, this team's going to go into that next game with an attitude that's right to win a derby when your coach is saying, we can't do, the, the players can't do any better than this. That's, that's terrible. So um, something's not right there. And uh, this is one of the primary reasons why. We really need to look at something different going forward. Um, they're, they're horrible stats, but yeah, I think it's something that's just not talked about enough at training. To your point, yeah. I if I can jump in, like the comments when I read it were almost like, "Okay, this isn't my team. I didn't assemble this team. Like, and this is all that this team that you put together in the summer can do. I'm trying my best here, but this team is not good enough. You know, it's kind of like." One, someone may view it as like, oh, I'm taking it on myself. The players gave everything. It was my tactics. I more saw it as like, these defenders I didn't pick. Like, I didn't, I don't have anyone else, blah, blah, blah. Because he must, he must know. I, I, I think he knows he's done. Like, the, there's no way back, I think, from this. Like, it, whether it's fair or not, I saw some people on social media saying he deserves a transfer window. Like, I just, I, I, I don't know, maybe, but is that going to change anything in a transfer window for Jimenez? Uh, look, if we can get, if we can buy, you know, quality uh, defenders, it would change a lot of that. We've got a back, especially back in the street. I mean, today we had um, Akinid, Svarnas and Lopez asking for disaster against Olympiacos, and that's what we got. Um you know, if it could, uh, that's the thing there. That's when this is when Melisani, this comes into the question as well. Can he, and he has to, but I mean, can he provide the players that uh, Jimenez wants, for example, uh, like we did in 2018, 17, 18, when we, we created a good team that had strong, effective players all over the pitch and played some good football? Um, at the same time, uh, for me, the, the fact that he, he started Hnid uh, and Zvarnas, um, that's all on Jimenez himself. I don't know why. He went for that combination. Kanid has been a nightmare since he came. He's just not, I don't know. And I'd like to know who was responsible for bringing him in because uh, he, he, was, he was a terrible buy. Um, uh, look, it would probably be interesting to see what type of players uh, Jimenez uh, would bring in. However, I'm really conscious um, our derby records under him have been terrible. And as you guys would know, there's nothing worse than watching your beloved team, uh, whether it's Aik, Olympiacos, Panathinaikos, Paukaris, whoever. Uh, go into derby after derby and draw or lose most of the time. That's that's heartbreaking. So uh, I, I'm not a fan of um, that future, and that's the future we're in. So I'd, I'd probably like to see someone uh, better come along and uh, take us to the next level. Before we start to jump into more of a discussion focused on tactics, I had a question. Uh, more more so, it had more to do with player selection. I mentioned this to Costa and Lambro when we were talking during the game. The there are there are a couple of players that are at, I, I see some energy positive energy from and the games of Ike that I have watched I've I feel like I've seen more more positive from them than maybe other players. One of them is Albanis. Um, now you the arguably whether or not he's more skilled than a guy like Oliveira or whoever else is playing out there. I saw a lot of positive things from him. 
in this game. And I've seen a lot of positive things from him all season when he's played for Ike. And it just kind of makes me wonder why he isn't playing even more. And then not seeing Kareem Anzarifard not start for you guys. I mean, your leading scorer for the season. And right when he comes on, he's getting into dangerous positions. He's connecting with things. Uh, the, the first, he comes on and then he connects with that Danchenko cross and gets his head on it. doesn't go anywhere, but he at least gets himself there, beats Semedo inside and gets his head on the ball. I don't understand how you can go into a game against your, your rival and not play some of these players that are, are at high energy or, or, or creating impact in so many games. Well, this is, this is why a fantastic point. Can I just say that is one of the things I really want to talk about. Um, and this goes back to our record under in these derbies with Jimenez. Uh, Albanis was fantastic when he came on. I, I thought he gave us a new leg. He, and he fought for everything. Um, his dribbling wasn't too bad. He got himself in some decent positions, but perhaps over dribbled. So his decision making can improve at times. But he was, um, he was, uh, you know, I was uh, a bit sad to see Tankovic go off. But then I, my thought was, I would have loved to have seen Tankovic stay on, get Oliveira off, and put Albanis uh, or even Tankovic next to Ansarifard and get have that energy happening out there. That he was, he was great when he came on. And then, like we said, you saw Oliveira in the first half. Um, I just, you know, his skill level compared to Ansarifard is there's a quite a difference there. Ansarifard can really use both feet really well. He can hold the ball up, and that creates chances where um, Oliveira would did get like some stupid things with the ball constantly just gave up uh, possession to Olympiacos uh, and that changes the game these things type of things uh, then you had uh, Albanis come on he, uh, I think he was he had a duel with Masuras at one stage when Masuras won the ball off him but uh, Albanis came back at him and won the ball back Tankovic wouldn't do that um, so yeah look he needs to feature a lot more he's he's actually been one of the few players in terms of energy and positivity even uh, a few games at Kadiskaki where we've gone down like We've we've given you the wins there like so easily, but he was one of the few players, a few A games at Kataskaki that actually fought for things and got A in such good positions. So I think it's a shame that he's not even uh, been looked at for the national team. To be honest, um, uh, great point. He was he was fantastic. I definitely want to see more of him. I want to see uh, if you know if Jimenez does stay on, he needs to change things up. And I'd be giving this guy a lot more playing time. You got to start starting unsatisfied. His confidence has naturally gone a little bit down because he's been used a lot as a sub to Oliveira at times. So you can sit guys and sorry about all the noise with these birds, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure you can probably hear him. Um, but uh, great points. I'd love to see... We need to see more of Unsatisfied and we need to see more of Oliveira uh, out there. Uh, sorry, of, um, of Albanis. Because uh, these guys, are, uh, they make the difference and they cause a lot more problems for the uh, opposition. Uh, and we, right now, where Ayak are at, we need that. So... Um, I hope Jimenez uh, is aware of this and can see that for the games, the games coming through because um, they, they make a big difference compared to the the stalemate uh, that we've been seeing. And the other problem we have is when we do go in a, in attack, we really like the support which you see in a lot of the other teams. You go in, especially if they course, they haven't. You know, you see them when they haven't had a lot of ball, but when they go in attack, they go in attack in numbers. Like Olympia Costas, you all support each other. Uh, you saw um, Garcia. Uh, there was a couple of times when he was really getting pressured by Bar. He had no support to pass it to anyone, so he lost the ball a few times. And I think that's where something um, where these players that we're talking about can provide that little bit more support. And then Jimenez has got to tell people like Simanski and Kristosic, who are playing so deep in defend in uh, the midfield, to get up there when we got the ball and get in, a, in an attacking position to be able to offer that support, to be able to put more uh, pressure on the opposition 
which is something we didn't do a lot of today. So there's a lot of things uh, when you add them all up that uh, we can be doing that Humanity is not doing. And that's ending up in uh, the opposition getting the opportunities to create their own luck and doing so and getting the goals against ordinary defenders on top of that as well. And I guess I'll close up before we get into tactical section. I guess the hope for iCare is you look at Pauk, you look at Panathinaikos, and they're nothing consistent either, right? You're not out of the top four by any stretch. But I have a gut feeling that Jimenez tomorrow morning European time is not going to be the coach of Ike. I have a gut feeling that that's going to be the the case. And if I don't think I'm wrong, if Panayotis Kone is the sporting director of Ike, like is Panayotis Kone going to bring in? I was listening, like I said earlier, I was listening to the radio and like people were talking about, I think some guy brought up like, this is uh, almost like Pedro Martins Olympiacos job. Like loads of players need to go. Like we had like 20 plus players need to go. Like there is a lot of dead wood on Ike right now. And like, are you going to trust in Panayotis Kone who retired just a year ago to be the one to do that? Is he going to find a new coach? Who's going to be the new coach for the rest of the season? Like, I, I trying to process all of this, do you even not even as an Ike fan, just drives me crazy. Yeah, I mean that was there was huge reaction to that uh, when that came about because um, you know what what experience is Panayotis going to have in this type of position? What type of connections does he have? Uh, there are a few people that came out and said he's got some decent connections uh, through Europe from from his playing days and whatnot. But at this level, I don't I don't think that's the type of step we should be taking. Someone so um, inexperienced uh, who's just finished playing who was in Australia for not long ago as well so that that is uh, I think that kind of sums up where we're at as a club is doing things like that um, which are not making a lot of sense it's not really something that's going to take you from the level we're at now to take us to that next level where we can challenge Olympiacos for example uh, and we've gone to the point now where I think we're um, we're be a little, a little bit. Well, I think we're behind Adis, and Adis showed that in the turn of defeat at Awaka. But we're we're falling behind Panathinaikos, which is a pretty big statement to make, given where Panathinaikos has come from. But um, uh, when you watch Panathinaikos play, when I see them, the way they, the passion and the energy they bring into their games, it's a lot more than what we're bringing in. Um, but onto Kona, yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I think it's a sad reflection of the state we're in and the, and the leadership that this, this club is showing at the moment in getting someone like Kone, who's had a, he had a great playing career, but putting him in as a sporting director, it's just not the right move. Costa, uh, while we move on to the tactic discussion, I wanted to ask, because Lambro had said in our group chat when we were talking during the game, 3-4-3, Lambro was, when we started playing, Lambro was like, I'm in love. Costa, what do you think about the 343? I I am growing to it. I mean, we've seen it ever since the, the second leg of that Arsenal game. We've now seen Martins use it a few times. So wh- what were your thoughts? How much do you think the transition to this 343 helped in us getting the result we got today? What what were your thoughts on 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 the formation and how it's helping? Like I said at the beginning, I thought the selection of having three at the back at the beginning of the game, mainly to to shut down Ajax wing play and Levi Garcia in particular, I thought it worked really, really well. Basically, you need to ask the question, okay, if we didn't go with the three at the back, then that would mean that Jolebas would have to start as the left back. 
in a in a four three three or a four two three one, and I think making this selection it gave Holebas a bit more comfort and freedom to kind of stick to a role on the wing where he could go forward and come back and you know if he got caught out he knew he'd have Bar behind him. I think in a four three three one on one against Levi Garcia it could have been very uncomfortable for him. But I think, yeah, in in that respect, I think it was a very smart choice to to go with that three at the back. I think we have the players to play that. Uh, Samedo is obviously very good at bringing the ball out as a ball playing centre back. Socrates can fill in and sweep up, and Bar's got the pace to be able to go out to the wings and and uh, and intercept and block the wingers. So I like I like it. I like what I see. Um, this is kind of taking us now to a discussion about next season. We're already thinking about next season. Socrates is the only defender for me that's 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 going to be there. Uh, Bar is a question mark. I expect there will be clubs interested from abroad for sure. We know Semedo is is also being looked at by by clubs from abroad. So you're looking at player like a player like Markovic coming back. What about Cisse? Is Cisse going to be there? Uh, could Siovas come back and, you know, be the ball playing center back at, on the left-hand side? Um, so I, I, I like what I see. And there was, I think, a question asked by, by the Nova sports journalist at the end of the game. Uh, Olympiacos is managing to win these games without, the traditional kind of creative forces being in the team, whether it's Fortunis or whether it's Valbuena, you saw that we we did fine without them. So again, I think this is testament to the manager, the job that he's done over the last three years. I think he's evolved a lot since his first season where he was quite rigid compared to today where he would employ the 4-2-3-1 every game and, you know, that that team in the first season, it may arguably have played the most attractive football we've seen, despite not winning the league in the first season. Um, But progressively, you see that even Martins in his tactical approach, his selection, he's evolved a lot. And we've seen that with him tinkering in-game, changing the formation, now going with this 3-4-3. I wasn't expecting it, to be honest. Uh, I expected him to go back to the usual. I thought the three four three was something we would see in in the big big European games and the really difficult ties. But again, going back to my original point, I think tactically not having Oleg today um, and putting Holebas on the field it gave some more some more security at the back with um, with the three. And I think we're going to see more of that uh, going into next season as well. But I would say even like with Oleg coming back defensively, he I don't know if he's shown that he's like a super sound defender yet. I think he's a, a bit raw in that that scenario. I think even in a three four three he would be he would be pretty good himself. So I would I my biggest concern was when I remember when we were talking about this and Peter brought up Chelsea um as in a comparison and I was wondering can I always think about like that third central defender playing almost like as a, it's like almost like an attacking central defender, like as Aspilicueta plays for Chelsea. It's like almost a very unique role. And I was wondering 
whether Samedo could do that. I know he's a good ball playing center back, but like the agility and you get in tighter angles, I, I don't I didn't know if he could do it and I thought he did a really good job today. And I'm really pro moving forward with this. I know you mentioned the question marks for Bob for Samedo, but I think this is a really good situation moving forward and we have the center backs if they all stay. And then and then at that point you bring in Cisse and you bring in Markovic. I think both of them stay at that point. And those are your central defenders for um for the season. I I really like this system because it it just seems like we're we play so much better so so much better going forward in that 4-3-3 sometimes it's just like the same thing like you get triangles with Fortunis floating over to the wing with the winger and with the fullbacks and it's just so stagnant and you just like you're sitting there during games and you're like is a goal ever going to come it's just like I don't know if that really makes sense. Adi probably has data that he can explain this with, but it just seems like ah, uh, just it's so one-dimensional sometimes. But like today, it was like we could have scored from anywhere, from a fullback making a run, from a winger coming in. Bruma looked better today. Can we say that? I, I feel like we say that every like four games. I don't know. I thought he looked in decent. some ways. In some <laughs> Masuras. Themis Kessari's taking like a glory lap, like saying, because his statistics have been showing that, I guess, uh, Masuras is like the best winger in the league or something like that. He was really enjoying himself on Twitter. I, I don't know. Like, when I when I sit back, I think like from ways of scoring, uh, yeah, I don't know. I really like the formation. So the thing with the 3-4-3 is, and why I'm enjoying it, one of the things that I have constantly critiqued the four three three about is is how it feels like we have guys look like they get isolated, especially in the midfield. How many times did we used to see, oh, you have a wing back with the ball sitting deep and you have a midfielder, one of our midfielders, Jan Vila, whoever, sitting square with another center back and then Bukalakis across the field, Madi being double teamed and, and, and we're just playing the ball through the back nonstop. What I love about the 3-4-3 is because it encourages the wingbacks to stay further up, do you see all the options the midfielders get and Semedo or whoever is sitting back with the ball? So many more options, and the buildup is much better. We saw this against Arsenal as well. And against a team like Arsenal, who was really crowding out the midfield against us, we there was a lot more that they could do. They had more options. The movement was easier. We didn't just rely on Bukalakis and Vila and Madi to cover all this ground to be moving around and have to have an all-star game from them so that our link-up could be positive. No. Adrutos was able to get forward, present himself, and we weren't punished when our wingers, our inside wingers, were floating around. How many times did we see both Masuras and Buruma on the same side? Bruma floating around, going to the other side. Masuras, the same thing. But we didn't get punished for it because guess what? We had an elevated fullback that was taking up that space, giving options for a switch. Just as an example, early on in the game, when Mari Camara was sitting deep on the opposite end of the field, the left side of the field, and he sees Adruzos on the right side with when Bruma and Masuras are both on the left. He sees Adruzos making that run and launches a gorgeous ball that got us into a danger area. This is what the 3-4-3 has afforded us. Because how many times have we seen, not just for Libyakos, even with the ethnic E, Costa wanders 
all over the place. And that's fine. A player like him, you're going to let him do that because he does so much for you. You want him to get on the ball as much as possible. But we would see Bruma wandering, Masuras wandering, and we still had width because Adruzos or Holebas were staying out there, presenting that option. I am perfectly comfortable if we can build for this formation. The one thing that kind of scares me a little bit is, you know, it, playing three center backs, somebody gets injured, then we're kind of shuffling in a wing back to play in a central role. I'm okay if we, for us to build on the 3 4 3, but I want us to sufficiently, if this is what our the plan is to go forward in the summer to attack another season. I want us to properly build the depth for it, and I want us to properly address what we actually need to make this system work, fire on all cylinders for three competitions. All right, I want to ask you, how many central defenders do you think we need for this system? Is five the right number with Markovic maybe being that? Is that the number? Okay. For me, in a in a four in a four four two four three three, I want four center backs. I want at least two alternates. You know, whether it's Avram or, you know, a Cisse or whoever. So if we're playing a back three all the time, I at least want five center backs, 100%. Or at the very least, a fullback that can be pivoted or somebody that can be versatile and play center back, right back, or what have you. So 100%. But that's me. I'm always concerned. For me, more depth is better. I know that that sometimes can be difficult in a player management situation because everybody wants to play. Then that's just another person you have to worry about who might not get game time. So I understand that aspect. But yeah, for me, I want at least five. Now, I really wanted uh, Greg's opinion on the three four three, what he saw out of it. Uh, you know, because Olympiacos did beat Ike last time, the last time we played them. Uh, so did you feel that the three four three was even more threatening? Than when we played you the the first time around this se- the during the second half of the season, uh, or did you just see like a little bit more of the same? Uh, it was just dominant Olympiacos. No, I think it worked quite well. Um, like you mentioned, you had options. You worked your options really, really well. Masuras and Bruma were, you know, they caused us a fair few problems on the wings, but then you had Holabas and Andrutos uh, backing them up as well. Uh, I think one of the luxuries you guys have is you got Kamara and Villa in the middle that are just, man, they're good defensively, but they can also pass, distribute, and create, which is a luxury not a lot of other teams have. But to, And then you got three at the back who's backing that up and keeping you safe. Uh, many times you saw Oliveira. He was he had two or three players around him, and he couldn't do anything. And, so, and even Unsatisfied had a tough time, but Unsatisfied, to my earlier point, that can use his two feet, did was able to sort of hold the ball up and get things going for us. But then even when um, Albanese came on and started taking on plays, we constantly, our attackers constantly had two or three of your guys around them making things really hard for them to um, to be able to create. So I think that system works really well. And when you guys got forward and attacked, two really effective wingers uh, that you have and then having them to the support with Holobas and Andruzos and in the middle, uh, it worked fantastic. So I think it's a, I think it's a gem of a formation. Costa, I think... Did, were you, did you want to say something before I passed off to Greg? I saw no, there, there's something that we haven't talked about specifically, or rather someone, and that's Jose Jolebas. What a game he had today. How old is he again? 42? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how old this guy is anymore, man, but 
Greg, would you swap him for Lopez? Any day of the week. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. Yeah, he is. I I tell you what, guys, my expectation of Holebas at the beginning of this season was like here. And what he's done has definitely surprised me. Uh, I thought for sure the, the work rate might still be there, or at least as much as it could be for somebody that's 37 years old. But man, I mean, I'm, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm fine having him for one more season. You know what I mean? At the very least as a depth option, the guy's making like minimum any minimum salary anyway, you know, having somebody that's going to play a game here and there just to give Oleg a rest. Uh, the, 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 the veteran, the experience he has, I'm okay with it to be perfectly honest with you. And today I thought he had a great game, two assists, uh, absolutely solid, solid game from him. He did not surprise me one bit when we signed him at the beginning of the season. I, I did not expect him to play as much as he did, but okay, that's a whole other discussion about signing Ruben Vinagre on deadline day. And we all know how that ended up, but I mean, for what he was signed in to do, he's completely surpassed even my expectations uh, because I knew what we'd be getting from him. We'd get a player that always gives 100% and more. Everything he has to give, he'll give it. He knows the club. He knows the expectation. Um, he has that Olympiacos mentality that we talk about. So, uh, and he and he keeps fit, and he's never he's never had a serious injury in his career, uh, as far as I can remember. And he's um he's a model professional. He's a he's a bit of a joker, uh, but yeah, I mean at this rate with a performance like that, it's hard to it's hard not to extend him for another year. I would say. Yeah, and I I just add on like. What a game, those two assists, and then he had the ball to El Arabi for his assist, I think, as well. Just epic stuff. I don't know. Like it, it was it was crazy to watch. Um and then the post-game interview he gave, Costa made reference to him being a bit of a joker. He went out with uh with Ruben Zamedo, and Ruben Zamedo dropped an F bomb on like national TV or whatever. And I always love this guy. Sami did it once against Hike as well, and like the interviewers just like looking around like i don't know what that word means like the interviewers like we're greek we don't know what that word means like it's like we all know what the word <laughs> means but they're all just playing stupid so it's uh it, w- it was just a hilarious moment and like i don't know it, he seems really good chemistry guy as well like it's, it seems like everyone loves him i which is weird because everyone seemed to hate him at watford or something he was known as kind of like a stickler the funny video they made about him being just such a jerk but yeah man i'm fine with him staying for one more year i think the question really is is avram ready to go as well like i i think i think his i don't know if we renew him for another year to be honest with you but anyway guys i i guess we should do some some coaches grade man of the match player ratings whatever it's about that time so costa you want to get started coaches grade man of the match I mean, how can I not give an A to, to Coach Martins? I think I've given him rave review already. Man of the match. Uh, El Arabi, for me. I thought his hold-up play was really, really good. Uh, bringing his teammates into the game. 
he got an, he got a gift for for his goal but he was involved he was involved in everything positive we did moving forward up the field and the pass for Masuras his second goal is just sublime um so it was it was a tough one between him and him and Holebas uh, like don't get me wrong like Masuras had a great game too the two goals just when i see him misplacing passes that are like four, two, four or five yards away from him or you know missing a sitter for, for me, El Arabi, I thought he didn't put a foot wrong today, and he was he was top notch. I guess I'll go. Uh, for me, actually, it's funny you were saying that. Like, I I I think Mascuras was my man of the match. Him or Jolevas were my man of the match. Um, I really enjoyed what they did, and also I I was meaning to bring this up earlier, but that right back today, Greg, was so poor in my opinion. And you guys had that kid. Not even kid, Vasil Antonopoulos, something like that. His name's really long, even for yes, that's Greek speakers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he. I don't know. Just like he, he seems so mediocre. And this, not Vasil Antonopoulos again, difficult name. Uh, but the uh, was he Albanian? I don't know. Wait, he seems he's very Ukrainian. Danchenko. Ukrainian. Yeah, and that's why Svarnas has been playing there. Blah blah blah. Bakakis hasn't been playing. Whatever. But he seemed poor, and I thought Jolebas played really well on that side, taking advantage of it. So I'll, I'm torn, uh, but I'll, I'll say Jolebas. You know, I'll just say Jolebas instead of Masuras. And um, Coach Great has to be an A for Coach Martins. The, the only thing was I'm just so tired of seeing Lazar Angelovic play. Like, I know it's so nitpicky, but, like, he doesn't deserve to play anymore. Like, he's – how many – I, I said this to you guys in our group chat. Like, where were these chances for Maxi Lovera? Like, when he was just so shit, and the coach will not take him. Like, we'll keep playing him. Like, Maxi Lovera was up and down. I understand, but there were glimpses. Like, there's no more glimpses with Lazar Angelovic. And I just, I wish someone else would get that opportunity. Whether it's Hugo Kuipers, I know he's not a winger. Whether that's an academy kid, I don't know. I just. At this point, I just want to see someone else get a chance. I don't know. That's it for me. So, man of the match um, is the whole and Coach Gurdene. So, I'm going to give Martins an A. The only reason I don't give him an A plus is I really still feel like we could have had just one. Give me Sorlis on the bench. There was no reason to have Tiago Silva. I, I mean, come on. Before we going into this, our lead, we basically had the league sealed already. We couldn't have one, just one. And then at halftime, be able to sub him on and let him play. That's my one gripe. So that's why he'll get an A, not an A+. And then my man of the match, because I shithouse Masuras all the time, I'm just going to give him, you know, for, when, you t- when you score two goals and the defensive work he had to help shut Levi Garcia down, that resonated with me because Levi Garcia for me was the most dangerous person there next to Madalos. But I was comfortable that our midfielders could handle Madalos. I wasn't comfortable with what was going to happen with Levi Garcia. Masuras came, tracked back, helped double down on him to, to limit his chances. The work rate was there and scoring two goals. So you know what? Masuras, my man of the match. First time I think I've given him a man of the match. Uh, and, and he deserved it. Uh, I, Greg, how about you? Oh, sorry. Uh, Go ahead, Gustav. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say we did um... – we did a man of the match poll 
on Twitter and about 300 people voted. The options were El Arabi, Jolebas, Camara and Masuras. And El Arabi had 24%, Jolebas had 24%, Madi had 7% and Masuras won it with 45%. He gets my vote as well. The, his finishing was fantastic. So, um, Masuras from another match. I give um, Jimenez uh, a D minus for today's uh, historical low for Ayak. Um, uh, and, you know, Martin's full credit to him. You guys were fantastic. Uh, he pff, can't get past an A for him. Do you have a man of the match for Ayak, somebody that you thought did better than the rest? Uh, to be honest, I probably I think uh, Albanis when he came on, uh, he was he provided more energy in his second half than we did in the fir- for the entire first half. So, for me, it's definitely Albanis. Awesome, yeah, it was a uh, it was definitely a fun game for Libyakos fans. Uh, maybe not quite so fun for Ike fans. Um, I do hope, especially going into next season, that things do improve for you guys. Uh, the team has, for me, a core of decent players. So, <laughs> MVP Marco Levi. <laughs> but and I was I was saying this to the guys during the game. There are a, uh, there's a core of players to build around. Uh, Madalos, first and foremost. This is the second season in a row that he has led the Super League in most offensive creative metrics. So that he is he is a, an offensive player, uh, a 10, if you will, that you build a team around. Levi Garcia, arguably the best winger in the league for me, you know, stats notwithstanding, even though statistically he's up there as well. Kareem Anzarifard is, I, he's a point man. If El Arabi retired, I would love to have back on the team. He did a great job for us, and he's doing a job for you guys this season. There are some great pieces of this team. I think in the offseason, going forward, obviously the defense needs to be squared away. But looking forward, there's a lot of good pieces on the offense. And I want to give credit to that young kid, Mijeras, or Mike, what was his name? The one that came Mijeras. on the right? Yes, Mijeras. I tell you what, how old is he, by the way? He looks like he's 15. Uh, he's uh, 20. He's 20. Uh, he look. He has a baby face. He looks <laughs> so young. Credit to him. He never put his head down as many times as he was getting stuffed by Ba. And that's that's as a young player, when you're going into a guy and you can't breathe around him, he's closing you down left and right. He never stopped. That head was up constantly and he came for more. So I respect that in a player. And I hope something comes of him. So I see an Ike team that has a lot of pieces or a couple, a few, a core piece that you can build around. It's for me, it's the defense that really needs to be kind of overhauled and, and rebuilt. It's funny you say that if I can jump in real quick, like it just the, I, I said this earlier in the season, that front five, like when Simoes is healthy, Galanopoulos is healthy, Madalos, Levi Garcia, Tankovic is decent, Albanis, Karim Ansarifard, and Oliveira, as terrible he is, he I think he wanted to move out, and he didn't get that move. I think Wolves were poaching around or whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's just, like, gone to shit this season. But, like, when you look at that five, 
in front of the defense, you're like, okay, this isn't bad. But the whole, the back five need a complete rebuild, the goalkeeper, the whole defense, the fullbacks, just everything. But when you look forward, there's decent pieces. It's it, it just, it's going to need, it's going to need someone who knows how to rebuild the team though. There's good, like just no more stupid bring Vranias back for another season on loan. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause yes. that could so happen. I don't uh, yeah. Um you made a really good point before, Lambro, about Vasil Antonopoulos. Um, I don't know why uh under uh, Jimena, if he's gone, he's he's blocked him out and he's been pulling uh, you know, Danchenko, who you saw today was pretty ordinary, Bakakis, who's who's just been getting injured injury onto injury. Uh so you got these type of things happening. The other things you got is uh, Athanasiadis in goalkeeper. Um look, he, he's okay, but Titondas uh whilst he, you know, he, he is not the world class thing or anything, but I think under Chitondas we're definitely not conceding as often as we were as we are now, and I think that can be a communication thing, uh, an experience thing when you've got some ordinary defenders in, in front of you, where you might want to go back to something that was working a little bit better uh, for us with Chitondas. So there's all the and to the to the points you guys have just been making. So there's all these little uh, points that um, when you put them together can actually make AX so much better that. Um, I think that uh, we've gotten them all wrong. There's all these little pieces. We've actually made the wrong moves. Uh, and it, I mean, the fix could be a lot easier than what we're thinking. But um, ultimately, you need to get a couple of uh, quality centre-backs and uh, and some decent left-backs and right-backs at AEC. And I think uh, the future can look a lot better than what it's currently looking at. Well, thank you so much again for joining us, Greg. We love having you on the show. Um, is there any shout outs? You know, this is the time. Any shout outs you have, any projects you guys have going on at LS Footy? Uh, let us know. Uh, look, uh, my shout out would be to all the, if you know, if there's any Ike fans listening out there, uh, keep your head up high. I know it's really tough times. Um, I, I think this next week's going to be quite big in terms of what's going to happen going forward. And, um, if we see a new coach coming on board, let's just hope they touch on some of the things that we've spoken about in this podcast about what we can do to actually improve ourselves uh, quickly, um, which is possible. Um, in terms of Hellas Football, look, we're going to continue our podcasts. Uh, we're hoping to be able to get some, uh, some, some, you know, some former players or current players on there in the off-season to uh, have some chats with us there. Um, uh, and that's, I guess that's pretty much uh, the, the main shout-outs. Uh, it's a tough, tough day for the AIC fans. It's going to be a tough week, so... Um, just just hang in there and uh, we'll see what comes out of things and hopefully some better times. Um, for the more broad thing, Hellas Football Podcasts out every Tuesday night, uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, keep an eye out for that, covering all the action. Um, and we're looking to take that to the next level as time goes on as well. And thank you guys for having me on. A pleasure being on, on board with you guys. Uh, I love the tactical stuff that we go through and really digging into some matches like we have today and, uh, you know, being able to find what the real negatives are in a team like we've seen with AEC today. But on the other side of things, looking at some of the things that are positives that can mean a team that's you know had a record loss like we've had today with AEC, but what some of these fixes can be in the future, which is something doesn't get discussed. You know, A lot of people just focus on the really bad things that's happened and some of the big headlines that have come through. But it's really worth and quality-wise to show what is on the horizon for AEC and what we can do to switch things around and get some better results that way. 
Well, thank you so much, Greg. Again, we love to follow Hellas Footy because there's only so much you can cover on a podcast. I know you guys do the same, you co- and you cover everything. I mean, every match, everything in the, the second division. Uh, so it is it is nice, like you said, to be able to go in, analyze, really break everything down. We are fortunate to be able to do that. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, especially if you've made it this far. Uh, keep an eye out. Uh, it's going to be about a week and a half. Uh, we have, again, like I mentioned in housekeeping, uh, that the Guillaume Gillette interview. We're really excited to talk to him about that, get a, a, a nice look behind the scenes there, see what his experience was at Olympiacos. And a lot of cool stuff coming as well. We have some more things we're going to be announcing later on. A lot of fun things in the pipeline. A lot of content coming. Lambro promised you guys, after we exited Europe, we are going to get through this together. We're going to have a lot of stuff, a lot of opportunities for everyone to engage. Boozing with the boys is not stopping. We love seeing everybody. We love talking to everybody. More of those are coming. Fun stuff is coming for the summer. So make sure you guys tune in. Follow us on socials if you don't already. Subscribe on YouTube, please. And we look forward to the next time we get to talk to everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL. Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city, and our story. Thrilos, he said. Stomialo kati magiko.